So my name's Ben. I'm the pastor here. We're going to be jumping in. Uh, hey, little ones, little ones. Shh. We're going to be jumping in. We just prayed for you now. Shush. No, we're, uh, we're going to be jumping into this series that we've been doing on Ephesians chapter four. We've been talking about the church and we've been talking about what it looks like for us to be the church together and how the church is not an institution. The church is not the leaders of the church or the staff of the church. The church is the people. And we've been looking at Ephesians chapter 4. I want to read that to start. And if you've got your Bibles, you can open up to Ephesians chapter 4 and journey with us today. Ephesians chapter 4 says this. It says, so Christ gave the apostles, that's what we talked about last week, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the, and the teachers. And he did this to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So here's what, we, here's what we've been over the last few weeks. Jesus has given all of us gifts. Every single one of us has one of the five-fold gifts of ministry. We are apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, or teachers. Those gifts have been given to the church so that we can train the church to, to do works of service outside the church so that we can be unified here and so that we can attain the full measure of Christ, which sounds like a really good thing, right? So that we can be like him. That's why all of these things have been given. Then verse 14 says this. So then when the church operates in this way, when everybody is bringing their gifts, when everybody is contributing, when everybody is serving one another, when we're working towards moving towards unity and maturity and Christ likeness, what happens is we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, this is how the church works. We speak the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect a mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. And from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is a beautiful picture of the church. The church is the body of Christ. And when we all work together, what begins to happen is unity, maturity, Christ-likeness, and we grow. One of the challenges we face in this, as we've talked about the last few weeks, is in the American church culture, the church is built on one personality or a few people sharing their gifts up front every single week and not everybody contributing. That's why we use the metaphor over and over again of the church is a family. The church is the family of God. We are brothers and sisters. We serve. We are brothers of Jesus and sons and daughters of God. And so we serve together and we work together to become everything that Christ has called us to become. Uh, my, my little ones, when they were babies, I, I was thinking about Claire. Uh, there was a little video. Yesterday was my mom's birthday and today is Mother's Day. And so we always do this little celebration. There's this little video of Claire that popped up on my social media memories thing. Um, and usually I ignore those, but when it's cute videos of my daughter when she's little, I, I pay attention to them. That's the one benefit of social media I've found, right? It stores videos of my children when they're young. And so there's this cute video of her, and she's just a baby, and, and she's, uh, she's wearing this, like, 
uh, tutu kind of thing, like a, like a little ballet kind of thing, and her hair's in these big puffs, and she's just dancing around and screaming, I love you, Nini, you're the greatest, and we sent it to her for her birthday. And I remember my kids, when they were babies, they had this fascination with their hands. Do you remember when your babies discovered their hands? I was reading an article this week that said babies oftentimes discover their hands, but they don't have any realization that their hands are attached to their body. It's like a freaky trip, right? <laughs> like, like, I, like there's, so the kids are always like looking at their hands, but they have no idea or understanding that their hands are actually attached to the body. I think this is how the church often works is we work in this same way, where we understand that there's parts of the body that need to operate in order to make things work, but we don't clearly understand how the church is attached. How the hands are attached to the heart, are attached to the mind, are attached to the eyes, are attached to the feet. Like There's this part of us where if we don't bring our gifts to the table, if we don't bring our hands to the work of service that Christ has called us to, then we're going to be an immature body. Because we're missing a limb. Because our hands aren't attached to our arms. Because we're all out there doing a bunch of stuff. But none of the stuff is the stuff that God's called us to do together. So here's what I believe about the church. And this is why I love pastoring. We can do more together than we can by ourselves, guys. It's already being proven in our community. Like we are already, we are, we are contributing to missions, organizations that, that I couldn't do on my own, but as a church, we can support things. We've paid off every lunch debt for kids in every Cobb County school every Christmas for the last two years, and we're going to keep doing that every single year. I could not do that on my own. We've built wells in Uganda for, for communities that didn't have water. I couldn't do that on my own. We're, we're out in the community doing works of service. We're working with at-risk kids. We're stretching out. We're supporting missionaries all over the world, particularly in the Muslim world. And God is doing amazing and remarkable things through that. But none of that stuff is stuff that we could do if it was just our family. The hands are attached. And because the hands are attached, the church is a powerful organization that can change the world. When God is our father, Jesus is our brother, and everyone around us is our brothers and sisters, and we're following the, the Holy Spirit, the church is unstoppable. But the danger that we face is that we don't know how to attach. We don't know how to live together. So in our world, we've got this kind of common theme of individualism that runs through everything. And so we understand how to follow Jesus individually. We just don't understand fully how to follow Jesus corporately. And what Ephesians 4 teaches us is how beautiful the church is when we follow Jesus together. Some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be shepherds, and some to be teachers, and not one of those gifts is elevated above another. Every single one of those are needed in the body. Every single one of those are needed, which means, Grace Marietta, this is what this means. We need you. We need you fully alive. We need you acting in your giftedness. We need you pursuing the things that God has called you to. We need you doing the things that God made you to do here in our midst every single week. And we need everybody. And this is not my guilt trip to get you to help out down in the kids area. 
right? This is not about volunteering, right? We, we, we gather together every single Sunday, right? This is like family dinner, right? We have family dinner every single Sunday and we need everybody to contribute to make that work. So we need help to make that happen. But this is so much bigger than that, right? This is not about us volunteering. It's about us becoming who Christ has called us to be. So I wanna spend some time talking about prophets today. Um, prophets are an amazing gift to the church, uh, they are people who are in touch with God's voice and his values, and they speak that, those things over our community. They are the people who ask the question, are we hearing from God? Are we hearing from God? The, the number one question a prophet is always asking is, are we following God? Are we hearing God? Are we just arbitrarily doing a bunch of stuff, or are we doing the God stuff? Right? There's a way to do good stuff, and there's a way to do God stuff. God stuff is always more fruitful than good stuff. And so the prophets among us are always helping us discern, is this good stuff or is this God stuff? The prophets among us want to make sure that everything is aligned with God's voice. The prophets are the ones in our midst who call us to obedience. They call us to both listen to God and learn to hear his voice, but they also call us to obey when God speaks. And so we've got to obey and we've got to walk with him. They're the ones who slow us down and say, wait a minute, has God spoken on this? They're the ones who slow us down and say, we're not going to go until God says go. And sometimes they're the ones that speed us up and say, God has spoken. We need to get moving. He told us to go. Why are we not going? And so they are the ones who are in there. They keep us in touch with God's heart and God's mind for his community. And they do this in a number of different ways. They do this through prayer. I th uh, most prophets I come in contact with are prayer, prayer warriors. They love to pray. They love to be with God. They love to hear from God. They want to discern his voice. They love the presence of God in their midst. And they want the presence of God to be in our midst. They're the ones who usher the presence of God into our community. They, they not only hear from God, but they, they also have pictures and dreams and visions and, and, and words, sometimes words of knowledge, sometimes words of grace, sometimes words of challenge, sometimes words of affirmation, but they're hearing from God and communicating to us. So I love it when the prophets among us come to me and say, Pastor, I got a word for you. I've got something that I think God's stirring. I think some, God's up to something. I think God's doing something. We've had dreams that have, that have come to light in the last few years. We've got all these amazing things that our prophets have gotten us in touch with. When what prophets do is they're able to call things out and they're able to name things that others can't see. It's a really beautiful gift. They're able to call out something. They're able to see with kingdom eyes what's happening. So when I was a kid, I, 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 was, uh, oh, I was like 13 years old, and uh, I, I was not a kid that anybody thought was going to be a preacher. I, I, like, I wasn't a bad kid, I just wasn't a good kid either, right? So, like, I, I wasn't, I wasn't a, like a, like, yeah, you, you get the idea. Uh, I went to this conference, and at this conference... Uh, this guy was preaching up front and, and it was this youth event and he was talking about how God was calling some people to be preachers and he was calling some people to preach the word and be proclaimers of the gospel and, and that, that he felt like there were some people in the room who were going to grow up and be preachers and he said, if, if, you're, if that's you, come forward. And I just walked to the front. 
I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I didn't know that pastors didn't get paid very much. Like I didn't, I, I didn't know, like I didn't know that they worked all the time. I didn't, like I didn't know what I was getting into. I was 13 and I felt the Lord stirring and I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit and I walked forward and, and I said, all right, I'll try it. And then I was trapped for the rest of my life. Uh, no, and, and so the, well, here's what happened, though. I, I came forward, and, and, and I, I went back to my room that night. We were, this was in Ontario, Ontario, Canada. This is where this was. I have no idea who's doing events in Ontario, uh, but that's what our youth group did for some reason. Uh, and so I, I, we were in Canada. We went back to the hotel room, and my youth pastor wrote me this, like, three-page letter that said, I have known for the last two years that you are called to be a pastor, and I've been praying for you every day that you would recognize that God has called you to be a preacher. And there was nothing, there was no evidence of that in my life, right? That was God working, right? That was not because I was walking around quoting scripture. It was not because I had this deep knowledge of God. It, I was a little turd, right? I was just like, I was an annoying little kid, and that's who I was at that time. And, 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 and so I got that, and then I had, uh, a, a few weeks later, I was walking around after church, and, and this person came up to me, and they said, hey, I've been praying for you, and um, I just like, I, I was watching you during worship, and I just need to tell you that you're going to preach in front of thousands of people. And I was like, hey, did my youth pastor tell you to say that? Like, did he... Did he, like, did he, like, sneak this, like, is this how the church works? Like, we would manipulate children into, like, becoming <laughs> pastors by, by these kinds of things. And he was like, no, I don't even know who your youth pastor is. I'm just visiting here today. I just saw you and said, I need to talk to you. And what began to happen is over the next five or six years, I had probably 15 encounters where people came up to me, like random people at the grocery store and said, you're called to be a preacher. You're called to be a preacher. Those people were prophets who were calling out something in me that didn't exist yet. That's a beautiful thing that prophets get to do. We get to call out the things that God is doing among us. When We have kingdom eyes to see things maybe that other people cannot see. Um, and what begins to happen is once something's named, we have power and dominion over it. Once something's named, we have strength over it. So when things are brought out into the light and they're able to be seen, when the prophets give us eyes to see what God is doing, then now we have power to operate in it and to walk in it and to live in it. And so they call things out, but they also name things. They name what's happening. This is how God is at work here. I think this is what God is up to in our midst. This is what's going on. So Let's do, the, uh, let's do the you might be a prophet if. Um, you, guys, you guys have been doing homework, right? How many of you have been around? How many of you have done your homework? Oh, much better than last week. Good work. Uh, good work. Uh, we're doing the fivefoldsurvey.com. If, if you want to find out which of these five kind of things represents you, it's a really good test to get you started and, and to become helpful. I will be honest. A couple of you have come and told me you're something, and I'm like, no, that's wrong. So it is not a perfect science, Right? Uh, right? Um, Douglas, you are a prophet, right? There is no doubt about it. It doesn't matter what the test says, you are a prophet, right? Uh, and so sometimes when those things happen, that's, that's the way it works. Um, so how many of you are prophets or, or get a sense that you're a prophet? Raise those hands high, prophets. Where there's not many of us, 
but let's be proud, right? I'm an apostle prophet. Um, that's kind of where I land on the grid. Uh, and so I, I, those are my people. I, I'm with you. I, I recognize the weirdness of God speaking to you and having to tell people all of those kinds of things. So here's a, here's a, you might be a, you might be an apostle, right? The Jeff Foxworthy does, you might be a redneck, which fits well in Atlanta, I think. We'll do the, you might be a prophet if, right? You might be a prophet if you enjoy spending time alone with God and sense his heart clearly. If you care deeply about the values, integrity, and often sense before anyone else does that something is drifting or or, or fading into a a dangerous place, you're able to stand back from circumstances and get a clear picture of what's going on. Uh, This clarity oftentimes enables you to come up with creative and innovative solutions that others don't see. You are outside the box thinkers and tend to disrupt the status quo. You are future-oriented and tend to see opportunities and dangers before everyone else. You hear from God in pictures, in phrases, in words, and in prayers. And you have a discerning quality where you're able to, to discern things about people, about situations, and about places that others cannot see. If, those, if that's you, you might be a prophet. So here's what we want to do with this series. We want to talk about what a prophet is, but I recognize that in the room there's not a ton of prophets. So you may be saying, why are we doing this, right? Why are we talking about prophets? I'm not a prophet. I, they can do whatever they want to do. I want to do my teacher-pastor thing. Because how many are teacher-pastors? Oh, wow. I think a lot of you haven't taken the test yet. All right, we'll see. May, evangelists? Yeah, yeah, we'll see. All right. I think some of you aren't raising your hands. Um, so what we want to talk about is what are the signs of an immature prophet? What are the signs? Last week we talked about the signs of an immature apostle, and I was a little embarrassed because it was all describing me. Uh, I want to talk about the signs of an immature uh, prophet and kind of what that looks like. And here's why, because this is what we often do when we're discipling people. So think about our next generation, right? Think about our young people. Um, our, we, among us are young prophets, And what we want to do is we don't want to teach them to be like us, right? I don't want to take everybody in the church and teach them to be an apostle. I want them to be a prophet. I want to teach them to live into their strength. I want to teach them to live into their calling. But what I do want to teach them to do is to do that maturely. And so when we think about discipleship, discipleship is always about immaturity and maturity. I don't want to, I, I want to disciple people who look like Jesus, not disciple people that look like me. And so I want to disciple people who are mature in their gifts. So an immature apostle or prophet does this. They talk about their perspective as, it, as if it is the only truth. They often jump from church to church because they keep finding issues in each of them. They become very frustrated when their ideas aren't accepted or implemented immediately. This is a good one. They point out every inconsistency or problem they see. Thank you, prophets, for doing that. They have a hard time sometimes loving people where they're at. They often live in their heads because their idealism about what should be is cleaner than the reality of what is. Yikes. They tend to isolate themselves or only associate with those who like them or think like them. So often there's like a little prophet's club at all the different churches, and we need you to be out with the body. Um, So here's, I want to give a little bit of a grid that that I found is really helpful for the prophets among us. When you kind of get a sense that God is speaking, 
When you get a sense that God is saying something, what scripture teaches is that what we do is we surrender that to community. Um, So what happens oftentimes in immature prophets is they have thus saith the Lord moments. Have you ever met that prophet? Uh, they, They have these moments where they're like, the Lord is saying this, and you really can't argue with that, which makes prophets the most annoying among us. Right? You can't, when somebody says, like, God told me, you can't really argue with the fact that God told you. We, I, I was discipling a young prophet. We went, to, uh, we went on this missions trip, and this guy had a word every five minutes from God. I'm not exaggerating. Like, every five minutes, and he had to share it with the group every five minutes, and it was about everything. And, and eventually, I got to the point where I was like, buddy, like, God cannot be speaking to you that much. You are not that holy. Like, there is no way that God is telling you all this stuff. Like, you've got to learn to filter the stuff that God is saying. Because he would be like, you know what? I think God's telling us to go to that restaurant. And I'd be like, no, no, you just want hamburgers. Like, that's, you just like that restaurant better than this restaurant. That's not the Lord. That's your stomach, right? Like, you've got to be able to discern between being hungry and what the Lord is saying to you. But, but what prophets often do is they come and they say, thus saith the Lord. And then everybody else has got to just say, oh, well, okay. And so prophets oftentimes have a posture that is um, a little abrasive, a posture that's a little sharp, uh, a posture that's a little rigid. And so one of the tools that, that we've worked with when we've trained prophets is, is this little triangle here. And, and, and what it is, is it's this idea of revelation, explanation, and then interpretation. Um, the idea is, as God gives you a revelation, you share that revelation with somebody. Here's what I think God's doing. Here's what I think God's saying. And can I be honest about how I do this with anyone? I always, 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 prophets, listen to me, always say something like, this is what I sense God is doing, but I could be wrong. This is what I sense God is doing, but I had nachos with jalapenos last night, and that might just be some spiciness in me that I haven't, like, but this is, so there's a humble posture of the revelation, right? There's a humble posture that's not saying, thus saith the Lord, everybody get in line now. It's a, hey, this is what I sense God is doing. This is what I sense God is working, but I could be wrong. And so I need you to sift through this. I need you to filter this. And, and if it's something that God is saying, I want you to take it to heart and pay attention to it. And if it's not, wipe the dust off your feet and move on and don't think about it again. So what happens is the prophets submit their revelation to community. They submit their revelation to the group. So if, if there's a prophet among us who believes that God is calling us to start a certain ministry or do a certain thing or, or those kinds of things, what we need that prophet to do is to submit that word to the community, to the church, so that we can co-discern whether God is at work in that way. But what oftentimes happens is prophets come and they give you a word. So if I'm giving a personal word to somebody, uh, Don, I get a sense that God's doing this. And then what I do is I don't just give them the revelation, then I explain it and then I interpret it for them. Right? What, what, what is oftentimes much healthier is to say, here's the revelation of God. Does that mean anything to you? Does that connect with you in any way? Talk to me about it. What are, you, what are you sensing? What do you think that means? 
Uh, I had a weird dream the other day, and, and I was sitting on that pew where the breezes are right now with a guy a few weeks ago who was asking me to pray with him. And as I was praying with him, I just got a sense the Lord saying, tell him your weird dream. And I, I, I didn't want to tell him my weird dream. That was, it was weird. And, but I said, hey, I just have a sense that I'm supposed to tell you this dream. And so I told him the dream. And as I was explaining the dream, in my mind, I understood what the explanation and interpretation was. I just had an understanding of, oh, this is what this means for this guy. But what I said to him was, does that mean anything to you? Like, help me understand. I didn't explain it. I didn't interpret it. I didn't run all the way. Now, sometimes people will say, I don't understand it. Do you have any idea what it means? And then I will say, well, maybe, right? Possibly, could be that this is the thing. So what we do as prophets is we, we bring our revelation to others without explanation and interpretation, and we allow the community to discern the explanation and the interpretation, Right? Immature prophets do all of those things. This is what God said. This is what you're supposed to do. Get out the door and go do it right now. See how that's a little abrasive sometimes? See how that's a little hard to receive sometimes? Thus saith the Lord, so now go and do it. But oftentimes it's much easier to say, this is what I'm sensing the Lord is doing. Let's talk about it. Let's discern what's going on in it. Let's have a conversation about it. Um, So what do we do with our prophets? We disciple them. This is what we do with every single person in the fivefold. And as we disciple them, we're trying to move them towards maturity. One of our challenges oftentimes with prophets is that we assume that giftedness is the same thing as maturity. So we see giftedness in somebody. We see, wait a minute, this person can actually hear from God. But just because somebody can hear from God does not mean that they're mature. And so what we have to do is have to train them and teach them how to be mature, walk beside them, love them, and care for them. Two things to never do with prophets. The first is to use them. Um, Sometimes the prophets become like the genie in a bottle, right? Like I just want to go to them every time I need a word. I want to go to them every time I need something. And so I just keep like using them to hear from God. What What a healthy and mature prophet does is they teach you to hear from God. What an immature prophet does is they become a genie in a bottle for you that becomes your pathway to God. So mature prophets will say to you, I I do have a word for you, but I also want to talk to you about how you can hear from God in the same way that I do. I want to train you how to listen to him. I want to train you how to discern what he's doing and pay attention to what he's at work. So we never use our prophets. Um, it's, It's a bad idea to use anybody, but especially our prophets. The second thing that we don't do is reject them. Because I'm going to be honest with you, as a pastor, the most annoying person in our church are immature prophets, in any church, in any church, because they have a million different ideas, because you can't debate or discuss things with them, because it's just a thus saith the Lord thing. So what they do is they come to you and say, pastor, you have to preach on this next Sunday, God told me. And what I say to them oftentimes is, well, if he told you that, then he'll tell me. Right? But an immature, immature prophet doesn't receive that. And so it becomes this really challenging thing. So what we often do is we become worn out with it. We become worn out with the constant, like, um, prophets are oftentimes critiquers. So they're really able to critique things. And I want you to understand, prophets among us, that's actually a gift that we need. 
We need honest critique of what we're doing. We need honest critique of the church. We need honest critique of, of what we're doing well. But we don't just need critique. We need an imagination for how to do it better. Right? So critique without imagination is unkind. And what often happens is our young prophets in particular, I just want to speak to young prophets in the room. If you're a young person and you're frustrated with the church and you're irritated with how the church works and, and you're frustrated about the way the American church works, I want you to know that we need to hear from you. We need that gift. We need to learn from you. We need to discern what you're saying and what God is doing. But we also need you to not just sit around and throw, throw rocks at a glass house. We need you to actually have an imagination for how, how things can get better. Whenever we have residents or interns, one of the comments that I often have to come back to with them is, it's great that you're seeing everything that's wrong in our church. There's a lot of things that are wrong, but we need your help in fixing those. I need you to name things, prophets, call them out into light, talk about them, but then I need you to be workers for restorative work and redemptive purposes so that we're working to make things better and not just critiquing everything. An immature prophet critiques without any imagination of how to make things better. A mature prophet says, this is not your problem, this is our problem, let's work together on it. An immature apostle says, this is your problem, go fix it. And they wear us out. So we don't reject them, we call them to maturity. We invite them to surrender to the community and we invite them to come into relationships deeper. Here's, here's what grace looks like for a prophet. Prophets need space in their schedule for prayer and connection with God. Prophets need permission to rest and retreat. Prophets need to know that their gift is important, that we affirm them, that we see them, and that we need them. Prophets need an atmosphere of a permission to get it wrong. This is really important. Our young prophets in particular need a safe place to get it wrong. What happens is oftentimes somebody gives a word that doesn't come through or somebody is sensing God's doing something and, and it turns out God's not doing that something and all of a sudden they believe, well, well, now I'm a heretic, I can't do this anymore, right? Now I can't proclaim it. Here, here's what we say to young prophets. The worst thing that happens when you pray over somebody, the worst thing that happens when you give a word to somebody is that you encourage them. It's the worst thing that happens. So it, there, we have to create a safe place where people can say, I got a sense that God's doing this, and I don't know if it's right, I don't know if it's wrong, but I want to talk about it. Do you know we do this in our kids' area downstairs? That our little ones practice hearing from God and responding. That they have these moments where they're quiet and they listen. And Mo Meredith says it's awesome because there's times when some kid will say something that's incredibly deep and profound that, that has to come from God, and then some other kid will say, I like dinosaurs, right? Like... <laughs> But we create spaces for this kind of stuff to happen, right? We create spaces for our, for our, for our students and for our, our, our kids downstairs to have safe places to practice the presence of God, to have safe places to discern. So the worst thing that happens when you get it wrong is you encourage somebody. And, and I want to also say, when we're giving words to people, when we're praying for people, um, don't be really weird, Can I say it again? Don't be really weird. I believe that the Holy Spirit has been wrongly interpreted as weird. He's the weird uncle of the church. We don't even know how to talk about him, right? We know God's the father, Jesus is the brother. We, like, we know it, but the Holy Spirit's like this whole weird thing. The Holy Spirit does not have to be weird, guys. 
In fact, I believe that when the Holy Spirit empowers our everyday life, it's the most natural thing that can ever happen. It's normative. It should be normative for every follower of Christ to hear from God. Sometimes people come to me and they say, well, I don't know how to pray. Well, the reason you don't know how to pray is because you're not doing anything with God. We got to walk with him. And when we're walking with him, he begins to reveal himself. He begins to show himself. He begins to speak and he begins to call us to different people and to different places and give us words of knowledge and all these different things. Prophets need a safe place to experiment. Prophets need language that helps them qualify their revelation. Um, Something like God might be saying is always helpful. Prophets need to know they're valued apart from their gifting. We don't need to have a word from God for you to be valued in the community. We love you and need you even if you don't have a word for us tonight. Here's truth for a prophet. Here's the challenge for a prophet. Prophets need to learn empathy and patience with those they disagree with. Um, They need to be challenged over and over again in the way that they deal with people who don't agree with them. Prophets need to submit their ideas and their revelations to the community for interpretation. This is in 1 Corinthians 14. Prophets need training to help them there deliver their ideas with humility and grace instead of thus saith the Lord. Prophets need to be reminded that they don't have the whole picture, that interpretation and application of their revelation is for the community to discern. Prophets need to learn to speak Jesus' truth, which sets Jesus' people free, instead of speaking facts that can bind people in fear. So here's what I want you to understand. There are times when I am praying for somebody and I have a discerning spirit about something that's going on in that person's life. Right? Has this happened to people? Is this just me? All right, some of you, yeah. All right, so you're praying for somebody and you get a sense that there's something going on in their life. It, it's a really immature thing for us just to call out that stuff. It embarrasses people. It shames and guilts people. But there is a way to talk about those things in a way that is not guilt and shame and power and authority. So if I get a sense that somebody's struggling with something in their life, I don't want to say, you're struggling with this, get it right and fix it, thus saith the Lord. I want to say something like, I get a sense that the Lord is inviting you into a new level of presence with him. And I get a sense that there's something in your life that's pulling you away from him and he wants you to be close. He doesn't want you to be far. So is there anything that we could talk about about what's going on in your heart right now that's separating you from God? Is there any way that I can help you? There's a huge difference between that and knock it off. Does that make sense? And so there's this empathy and compassion and love and generosity that comes with being a prophet. Prophets need to be reminded every single day that they need the whole body of Christ in order to hear God's voice. Um, So one of the things we talked about is What the church needs together is we need the Holy Spirit and we need each other. And so last week we talked about apostles surrendering their ideas to prophets. And I want to suggest that apostles and prophets work together really, really well. Because apostles want to get stuff done really fast. And so they need prophets to tell them to slow down or to speed up when to go and where to go. Um, Prophets, you need an apostle so that you'll do something. Right? I love you prophets, but you will sit around all day listening to God. And you need someone sometimes to be like, no, we're going. 
right? And give you a, a swift kick in the rear to say, like, we got to get something done here. Like, it's great that we're sitting around praying all day, but we actually have to obey what God is doing also. Our, 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 our goal is not for the church just to hear from God. Our goal is for the church to hear from him and then walk in obedience. And so apostles and prophets work really, really well together. Prophets, I would suggest to you, if God has given you a dream or a vision of the future, you need an apostle to come alongside of you and help you figure out the way to make that road clear. The other thing prophets need in our midst is, 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 uh, is shepherds and pastors. Uh, you need somebody who is a shepherd. So the shepherds and pastors among us are the people that just want to make sure everybody's loved and cared for. They just want to make sure that everybody, and so they have a deep level of empathy and compassion. And so our prophets need to combine and connect with our shepherds and teachers so that they know how to deliver the word of God in the way of God so that they know how to have the posture of God and the heart of God. John 10, 27 says this, it says, my sheep will hear my voice and when they know it, they will follow me. And I believe without a shadow of a doubt that God speaks in two ways. Scripture talks about this, in the logos and in the rima. The logos is the word of God. It's the written word of God. It's his Bible, right? So we've got the Bible, which is the written word of God. But if we only operate with the logos without the rema, then what we do is we eliminate the Holy Spirit's guidance. Um, we eliminate the helper that Jesus sent, and we operate out of principles and not presence. Because the rema is not the written word of God. It is the whispered word of God. It is the utterance of God. It is God speaking to us through our senses. God speaking us to us through pictures and words and visions and interpretations. The, 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 the logos of God is written and is done. The rema of God is happening every single day because Jesus sent his Holy Spirit to help us. And he sent the Holy Spirit to be our whisperer who tells us what he's at work. So if we only follow the word of God without the way of God, then what we get is we get principles without presence and then if we only follow the rima if we only follow the whispers of god then we have no foundation in which to ground our discernment of whether this is from the lord the written word of god helps us discern how god is working and how he's moving it helps us recognize where he's at work it helps us understand like does this whisper that i hear in my ear line up with scripture line up with the character of christ the heart of christ because if it doesn't it may just be what i ate for lunch and so we discern those things together, and they work in tandem. And so here's what I want to close praying for. I want to close praying for the whisper of God. Can we do that? Can we pray that we would hear the whisper of God in our community? Can we pray for our prophets that they hear more from him, that there's more visions, that there's more dreams, that there's more in things that God is speaking, that there's more ways that God is calling his church to be the church? And then can we pray that God would allow all of us to hear from him? Because here's my guess. My guess, there is somebody in the room right now who is like, I don't hear from him. I've never heard from him. Could we just pray that, that you do? Could we just pray that God would break through? And can I just suggest to you that if you've never heard from God, if God isn't speaking to you in these ways, that there is a way that you can humble yourself to say, Lord, if you want to speak to me, would you speak to me? If there's something that you want to say, would you say it? One of the reasons we don't hear from him is we don't know how to quiet ourselves in front of him. We're, we're, we're in this like fast-paced run where we're going all the time. 
One, one, of the, one of the things I've started doing is just when I drive to work, I just stop putting on a podcast or stop turning on a book on tape or stop turning on whatever CD I'm listening to that week. And I just sit in silence and just say, Lord, would you just speak to me about my day today? Is there somebody today that you want me to love that I, I, like they're not on my radar? Is there somebody that's hurting that I need to reach out to? Is there somebody that, that I need to encourage, walk beside? Is there something that I need to be seeing that I'm not doing? Are you up to something right now and I just don't know what you're up to? Will you help me to get on the same page as you? And I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, guys. I believe that when we humble ourselves, when we quiet ourselves, when we posture ourselves to hear from him, I believe the power of the living God begins to speak and move. I've seen it over and over and over again. I've seen amazing words from God come true. I've seen dreams and revelations that God has revealed that have done amazing things, and I've seen him work in incredible ways. So I just want to pray for that in our midst. So Heavenly Father, would you come? Would you speak? Would you whisper? Would you call us? I pray that we would hear from you. I pray that we would know your voice. I pray that we would recognize where you're at. I pray that we would be a community that knows your presence and that walks in it. And I pray that we would surrender to one another as we surrender to you. And so Lord, keep moving among us. Keep moving among us. Keep speaking and keep calling out on us the good things. It's in Jesus' name we pray.